My name is Justin Craig. I am the executive minister here at the church. Just want to welcome you uh, to, to our space this morning uh, into the house of the Lord. Uh, just really excited that you're joining us here on campus, excited that you're joining us at home online. Uh, grateful to have you be a part of our church community as well. Last Sunday, we talked about the commissioning of Joshua. You remember this? Last Sunday, Joshua chapter 1, we talked about God's conversation with Joshua. Chapter 1, verses 6 through 9, we talked about how how Joshua was going to be taking over the leadership role now that Moses had passed away. Right? We talked about three major responsibilities that Joshua was going to need to hang on to, and we talked about those as us needing to hang on to those as well as we step into this new year. Do you remember them? There's, there's a fierce focus on the Word of God. There's, there's an internalizing of the Word of God. And then there's a remembering of the presence of God. Now, now maybe you're like me and last week left you with the question of, well, okay, I, I know what Joshua was supposed to do. Right? We, we know what Joshua was supposed to do, but what, what am I supposed to do? What does God want from me? What does God want me to do? How does God want me to live? What does God have in store for me this year? And I think our scripture this morning is going to answer these questions directly. So if you have your Bibles, we're going to be in Matthew chapter 5. If you forgot your Bible, that's okay. You, you brought the ice scraper, but you didn't bring the Bible. That's all right. Okay, we'll have it up here on the screen for you. But Matthew chapter 5 is where we're going to set up camp this morning. Now, before we get to our passage in verses 13 through 16, I want to go back and I want to talk about what has happened so far in Matthew's gospel. Matthew chapter 3, John the Baptist is preparing the way for Jesus. In fact, Jesus actually comes down and is baptized by John the Baptist. And then immediately following his baptism, the Holy Spirit leads Jesus out into the wilderness to be tempted. That's a different kind of sermon. We could talk about that maybe in March sometime about what God leads us to. He's going to lead us through, but that's, that's for a different time. Jesus is led out into the wilderness to be tempted by Satan. Jesus overcomes those temptations. He comes back and he starts his earthly ministry. He's he's going around and he he calls the first disciples in Matthew chapter 4 verse 18. He calls the first disciples. He says, follow me and I will make you fishers of men. They start following him, as does large crowds following him, asking Jesus, heal us. We have have sickness, we have have demon possession, heal us, Jesus. Jesus is healing people all throughout this earthly ministry. And then we get to Matthew chapter 5. Verse 1 tells us that Jesus went up on a mountainside. His disciples followed him. They're having a little roundtable discussion here. And then we get to a very famous passage that that in churches we like to call the Beatitudes. Right? Do you remember these? Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are those who mourn, for they shall be comforted. Blessed are the meek, for they shall inherit the earth. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness. Blessed are the merciful, 
Blessed are the pure in heart. Blessed are the peacemakers. Blessed are those who are persecuted for righteousness' sake, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are you when others revile you, persecute you, and utter all kinds of evil against you falsely on my account. And then we step into our passage here this morning in Matthew chapter 5, verses 13 through 16. Jesus says this, speaking to the disciples. He says, you are the salt of the earth. But if salt has lost its taste, how shall its saltiness be restored? It is no longer good for anything except to be thrown out and trampled under people's feet. You are the light of the world. A city set on a hill cannot be hidden, nor do people light a lamp and put it under a basket, but on a stand. And it gives light to all in the house. In the same way, in the same way, let your light shine before others so that they may see your good works and give glory to your Father who is in heaven. Let's, let's pray. God, as we enter into your scripture this morning, we pray for hearts that are ready to, to feel your change. We pray for ears that are ready to listen to your words. God, we pray that you would block out distractions, that you would enter into this space, and that you would just convict and challenge and change and grow us so that we may look more like you. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Today, I want to talk about what Jesus calls us and what Jesus calls us to. I want to talk about what Jesus calls us and what he calls us to. This whole scripture is about two major things. It's about identity and mission. It's about identity and mission. It's about living a transformed life. It's about it's about taking what we think of ourselves and replacing it with what Jesus calls us and what Jesus calls us to do. You see, we tend to gather identity around the topics of our occupation, right? What we do. Or maybe we, we gather our identity around our hobbies or even our personality traits. Sometimes we'll gather our, our identity around being a husband or being a wife. Being a son or a daughter, being a father or a mother, we tend to gather identity from what is around us. But here, here Jesus speaks identity into our hearts. This is an internal identity here that Jesus is speaking about. Jesus speaks very directly, not just about identity, but about mission as well. Which leads us to our big idea for today. It's very simple. It's not complicated. It's not overwordy. I know. That's weird. That's not my style. But here's where we're going. We are called to live out our identity in Christ. Pretty simple, right? We are called to live out our identity in Christ. We are to live our identity. Our mission as Christ followers is to live out our identity as Christ followers followers our mission is to be who jesus calls us to be and in scripture jesus lays out two identities 
and one mission. And we're going to unpack all three of those this morning. The first identity that Jesus gives to the disciples is the identity of salt. Boy, isn't that how you'd like to be described, right? Hey, this is my friend Leroy. He's salt. That's not awesome. I mean, that's not like something you'd really want everybody to know about. But Jesus gives the disciples this identity of salt. Now, salt had a variety of qualities and uses in the ancient world. It was primarily used as a preservative in a culture without coolers or without refrigeration. Salt could be rubbed into meat or fish to slow the decaying process. Now, salt, just like it does for us, also provided flavor and provided a desire for a drink of water. And depending on the Bible study help that you would open up to study this on your own, you would find that Bible commentators from all over will argue about what Jesus actually meant when he gave the disciples the identity of salt. What did Jesus mean? Are the disciples to preserve the word of God? Are the disciples to flavor the world with Jesus? It's like, wow, that's really cute. Are the disciples to offer a taste that will spur on a dramatic thirst from all those who hear? Boy, that'll preach, right? But I don't know that that's really what Jesus meant here. You see, Jesus is not specific about the purpose of the salt, but he is very specific about the purity of the salt. Jesus says in verse 13, you are the salt of the earth. But if the salt has lost its taste, how shall its saltiness be restored? It is no longer good for anything except to be thrown out and trampled under people's feet. See, the, word, the words that we have for lost its taste literally means, in the, in the ancient Greek, means to become useless, to be foolish, to be defiled or contaminated. You see, salt, which is sodium chloride, cannot lose its taste. It's an extremely resilient chemical, but it may become diluted, defiled, or contaminated to where you can barely taste it. In their culture, if salt would have become defiled, it could no longer serve its purpose of preservation, but would only be thrown away because it had lost its ability to do what it was created to do. You see, the important message that Jesus gives the disciples is not what salt can do, but what salt can't do when it becomes contaminated. This message is clear to the disciples, right? Purity matters. Cleanliness matters. When it comes to how the disciples will reflect Jesus, and preserve the message of Jesus. You see, they, they cannot be saying one thing and then going and doing another. They, they, they cannot be followers of Jesus and followers of the culture at the same time. They cannot act one way in front of Jesus and another when he's gone. See, what hinders salt is when it becomes defiled and, and contaminated with other particles or other chemicals. And in our lives, this happens when sin moves in. See, when we, when we stop preserving the message of Christ and start promoting the message of anything other than Christ, when we stop praying and we start complaining, when we stop studying God's word and start assuming we know what God's word means, when love and forgiveness is absent, 
You see, sin removes our ability to fully do what we were created to do. You are the salt of the earth. We are the salt of the earth. This, this identity given to us as Christ followers needs to be one that we embrace. We need to embrace this identity giving, this life-giving value because without pure salt, well, decay becomes inevitable. But when pure salt is present, you, you can't miss it. Remember the first time uh, we were taking a vacation going to the ocean. Anybody ever been to the ocean before? Pretty cool, right? Like, pretty nice. Yeah, it's like, whoa, that's a lot of water. And it's like, you know, how you can, like, see it through the buildings as you're coming up close to the coast. Like, you can kind of see the, the blue haze. Man, I remember as a kid, like, I was barely sitting in my seat. I was so excited just leaning forward. It's like, lean back. I'm good. I'm good. Just so excited to see the ocean for the first time. You can see it through the buildings. And I remember we pulled up and, and we, we got all of our stuff out. And I remember getting my stuff and just running. Like, I remember dropping it and running towards the ocean. Now, nobody told little Justin, uh, nobody told him, keep your mouth closed as you jump in. And so, uh, so I jump in thinking, man, this is a huge pool. It's not. Uh, tastes real bad. Let me just tell you that right now. Uh, you jump in and it's like an immediate reaction of like, Somebody messed up the ocean. Uh, like, I don't know what happened, uh, but this, somebody did this wrong. Like, this is not okay. Uh, and I remember coming out and going, I, I'm really thirsty all of a sudden. My parents are like, well, yeah, it's, it's salt water. Why would someone do that? Now, I'm sure there's lots of qualities, and somebody's going to tell me after service why there's salt in the ocean. I get it. it there, it's for a reason. I understand. But eight-year-old Justin didn't know that. Okay, and so so I'm just like, I don't understand what's happening here. Like, it's just this immediate distaste. Now, it didn't stop me from jumping back in and playing in the ocean until the sun went down. But there was this immediate reaction. Like, I immediately knew something was off. Something was was a little bit different than I was used to. You see, salt is funny like that. When it's there, you immediately taste it. You immediately experience the, the flavor that it brings. You, you immediately know that something is different. So when others encounter us, the salt of the earth, do they immediately notice that something is different? As Christ followers, we are called to be the salt of the earth. The second identity that Jesus gives to his disciples here in our passage is the identity of light. There's lots of uses for light. But a couple that brought my mind to this week was light gives us the ability to see what we could not see in the darkness. Light gives the ability to grow what would not be able to grow in darkness. You see, light throughout Scripture is used to highlight the removal of darkness and, and places the natural contrast of light and dark with the natural contrast of good and evil. God and evil forces believers and unbelievers. Strong wind in here today. And as we've talked about recently, Jesus declares himself the light of the world in John chapter 8, verse 12. He is the light that has come to enlighten all people so that those who believe in him will no longer be in darkness, John chapter 12. 
In the same way as Jesus' life and message of salvation bring light to those in the darkness, his disciples are a living demonstration of the arrival of the kingdom of heaven, the arrival of hope in a dark, fallen, and broken world. Jesus says in verses 14 and 15, he says, You are the light of the world. A city set on a hill cannot be hidden, nor do people light a lamp and put it under a basket, but on a stand, and it gives light to all in the house. See, here Jesus talks about the importance of placement. The importance of placement. When he talks about a city on a hill cannot be hidden, Everyone around the city is going to be able to see it from miles and miles away at night because it's a beacon of light. You traveled into Chicago when it's, when it's night, you just kind of see the buzz of the city. Or even coming into Champaign-Urbana at night, you can kind of see the glow of our city. It's beautiful, right? It's, it's, it's going, I'm almost home. I'm almost there. Getting ready to be there. It's a beacon of light. He also talks about the placement of light in the home. You wouldn't light a lamp in the ancient world and put it under a basket or a bowl. That's actually how you would extinguish the flame in the oil lamp. But you would set it out. You would, you would set it up on a stand. Now, stands back then would have, would have been from three feet to five feet, so Justin could reach them. It was great, all right? And they would set them up in, in the middle of the room so that it would give light to everyone, so that everyone in the room would be able to benefit from the light. I guess we're just on a family vacations kick this morning. When we were on family vacations, we would spend overnights in hotels. Apparently, we didn't have any friends that lived outside of Illinois. Uh, But we would spend the night in a hotel, and every hotel needed to have the free continental breakfast. Now, we, we know that it's not free, but it is included in the cost, okay? So we know that. You don't have to share that with me afterwards. It is included. It's not free. Okay, and apparently the price of hotels, now we're all eating $80 worth of breakfast, I guess. Um... It just seems to be the new rage. But we would stay in a hotel, and, you know, Dad would normally be the first one to get up, get out of bed really quietly, get his things, go in, get showered for the day. We'd hear his electric razor happening, but that was about it. He'd come out real quietly, and he'd come over, and he would throw open the curtains, and it was just... There's no alarm clock. There's a dad clock, right? Like it's a, hey guys, if you want breakfast, you got to get up. We're not going to stop once we hit the road. Let's go. It's like, it's seven o'clock. Did nobody tell dad it was vacation? Like what happened here? Like we're trying to get on. Anyway, there was no, there was no little trickling of light coming in. The breeze wasn't blowing the, the, the curtains open. No, it was dad and he would throw it open. It wasn't a pouring in. It was a flooding in of light and everybody would groan and just, be beside themselves because that light, well, once it hits you, it, you just can't get away from it, right? You just can't get away from it. it. It touches everything that it affects. This word used here in our passage for gives light in verse 15 is the word lampo. It means to shine or to shine forth. When the lamp was placed on the stand in the house, it would flood out light. There was no drip. There was no pour. It would flood out light. It would shine. It would illuminate the room and everyone in it. 
Jesus spends time talking about the placement of light because there will be times when Satan, sin, or selfishness does everything it can to displace or to hinder the light of Christ in us. Displacing the light or or hindering the light is when we try to disguise, conceal, or hide the light. Jesus says you wouldn't light a lamp and put it under a bowl, but you know what? A lot of the time we do. We come to church, our lamp gets turned up, we go home. Did it affect anything? Did it change anything? You see, we take steps or we make excuses on why our light needs to be hidden or, or why our light needs to be displaced or, or disguised or concealed just, just a little bit. Satan, sin, and selfishness lie to us all the time. You don't need to shine your light all the time, do you? You, you still have sin in your life. Are, are you a hypocrite trying to shine light? Or my personal favorite that rings around in my mind, I don't know what they'll think of me if my light shines bright. This is when we start smothering the light of Christ in us and we stop shining the light of Christ around us because when darkness creeps in, darkness starts to seep out. And while these voices that dance around in our minds are real, they are less voices and more vices holding us back from shining the light that Christ has placed in us, holding us back from flooding the world with the light we've been given, holding us back from being who Jesus says we are. When Jesus calls the disciples the light of the world, he's speaking identity to them that goes beyond their own capacity beyond their occupation, beyond their hobbies, beyond their personalities. These are God-designed identities. If we are supposed to be the light of the world, we cannot do that on our own. Nor can we reflect the light of ourselves. But we can only reflect the light of the Savior. These two identities of salt and light are not invitations. Let's just be clear about that. These are not an invitation like, hey guys, now that you're joining us, if you want to, you go ahead and be salt and light. No, the invitation has already happened. Remember Jesus says to his disciples, hey, follow me and I will make you fishers of men. That's the invitation. These are not invitation identities. These are not invitations. These are declarations. See, Jesus is speaking boldly to them. He's not asking them to be salt and light. He's telling them that's who you are now. Those who are poor in spirit, those who mourn, who are meek, who hunger and thirst for righteousness, those those who are merciful, who are pure in heart, who are peacemakers, who are persecuted, you are now salt and light to a world that desperately needs to see the kingdom of heaven at hand. So we have these two identities of salt and light, and now comes the mission. Verse 16, when Jesus says, in the same way. So in the same way as, as, a, as, as salt needs to be pure and clean, in the same way as you wouldn't light a lamp and put it under a bowl, in the same way that you can see a city up on a hill miles and miles away, in the same way let your light shine before others so that they may see your good works and give glory to your Father who is in heaven. 
We are called to live out our identity in Christ. We've heard what Jesus calls us. Now we need to respond to what Jesus calls us to. Jesus lays out two purposes for letting our light shine. One, we are to shine before others so that they might see the good work of God in us. This is not an opportunity for us to earn salvation for ourselves. That doesn't happen. Jesus did that. We don't have to worry about that. It's not a works-based situation here. We're not earning anything here. We are simply responding to what Jesus has already done in our lives. We are to show the good works of God, not the good works of us. We are to shine so that others might see the good work of God in what we do. And two, we are to point others to him. We are to point others to Jesus. You see, our shining has nothing to do with us. It's simply our response to what God has already done for us, to us, and now through us. Shining the light is not so the world will know our name or our church's name, but so that the world will know the name of Jesus. So that the world will know Jesus' hope and Jesus' love and Jesus' grace and Jesus' truth and Jesus' forgiveness. So the world will know Him. Our mission to shine the light of Christ in us to the world around us is not some new objective or goal. It's simply fulfilling the identity that is already inside of us. It's living out our God-given identity. Mark Moore uh, was a professor at Ozark Christian College and now is the teaching pastor at Christ Church of the Valley out in Arizona. He, he writes this very, very easily readable commentary called The Life of Christ. It covers all four of the Gospels. And he says in here about our specific passage, I love this. He says, each Christian is called to move into the world and live in such a distinctly different way that the unredeemed person can catch a glimpse of God. That's wonderful, isn't it? You get your phones out, take a picture of that up on the screen. That's good. That's good stuff. To live in such a distinctly different way that the unredeemed person can catch a glimpse of God. So how do we go and shine our lights? How, how do we go and be salt to the world around us? Because here's the thing, most of us in this place today, most of us watching online today, we are not going to have the opportunity to speak in front of thousands about the name of Jesus. Most of us in this place today, we will not have the opportunity to lead an earth-shaking conference where hundreds of people give their lives to Christ. Most of us will go to our jobs and our kids' events. and We'll go to our schools and our neighborhoods and our homes. And let me be perfectly clear. These are the places that need our light to shine the brightest. This is where we need to be shining the brightest. Our light needs to shine in extraordinary ways in ordinary places. Doing ordinary tasks, having regular conversations, 
all so that others can catch a glimpse of heaven in us, all so that we can point others to Christ. Shining our light does not require a groundbreaking or innovative idea, but shining our light in the world means making use of the everyday moments. Shining our light is how we live. It's, it's how we love. It's how we care. It's how we forgive. It's how we trust again. It's how we speak. It's how we think. It's, it's how we act. It's reflecting the love of Jesus where we are. Jesus has called us salt and light and has called us to be that light everywhere and anywhere we go. One family vacation. <laughs> you knew that was coming. One Grace things happen on family vacations. You should take them. They're wonderful. One family vacation, we decided we were going to go and tour a cave. Now, I had to call my dad this last week and try and remember what cave we were going to. And he's like, I think it was Mammoth Cave in, in Kentucky. Uh, and, and it's just a really cool tour, right, where you go down into the depths of the earth. A little terrifying at first. Uh, you go down, and they've, they've got some lights that go through the cave so that it's walkable. Like, there's sort of a path, and there's a tour guide and a group. So you're going down with a bunch of other people, and you get down into this cave. And they warn you. They say, now listen, everybody. Like, you can't see the outside light at all. They, they said, listen, we're, we're going to turn off the lights and let you experience what the cave is naturally like. So I hold on to whatever's in front of me because uh, I was like, well, I'm kind of clumsy, might fall down. And they turn off all the lights. And I remember to this day the stillness and the quiet and the peace that was a part of that cave. You could only hear the, the drips in the cave, and that was it. Nobody was talking you could almost hear your heart beat. It was so dark, you couldn't see your hand in front of your face. You couldn't see the person next to you. You couldn't see where you were standing. And then the guide turns on his tiny little flashlight. And all of a sudden, I can, I can see where I'm standing. I, I can see my dad next to me, sort of, like the outline. I, I could see the tips of my shoes. And then they, they turned on the lights and we continued with our tour and wrapped that up. And As I was preparing this last week, this story came to mind about the little light that had intense power. And it reminded me of this cave in Kentucky where, where I knew as soon as that light came on that I was not alone. That, that there was hope that, that we were going to be able to find our way out. This is why our light is so important. We are called to live out our identity in Christ. We are called to be salt and light. We are called to show others Christ, to be who God created and called us to be. We are who Jesus says we are. We tend to ask the questions like we did at the beginning of our message time here, right? What does God want to do with my life? What does God have for me in 10 years? I know I've asked that question. You probably have too. Well, what does God have for me in five years? 
God, I don't even need to see five years. Just what do you have planned for me in a year? December 31st, 2022, what does this year look like? God, just show me a little bit. Like, what do you have planned for me? But here's the the better question, I think. The question is not, what does God have for me later? But the question is, is, am I living in what God wants me to do today? That's the question we need to be asking. We need to be light where we are. We need to shine bright at our jobs, in our neighborhoods, at our kids' events, in our schools, in our homes. So church family, are we being the light? Are we living in what God wants us to do today?